Hello and welcome to the Six Ways from Sunday podcast. My name's Ben and today I'm joined by a special guest over Zoom named Joya Chikongo. And Joya is coming to me from the Yukon Territory. Uh, Joya, welcome to the Six Ways from Sunday podcast and thanks for carving some time out of your day to, to speak with me today. Thank you, Ben. I'm excited to to jump into this with you. These conversations are always uh, enlightening for me and I think always, I hope, always valuable for our listeners, for our audience. And really, they're always just uh, casual conversations, maybe over a cup of coffee, diving into some some deep and meaningful, important questions about human spirituality. So I like to tackle uh, some existential, difficult, deep questions sometimes and also just hear people's authentic human spiritual journey story and so i'm excited to ask you some questions today about about your journey and about your story so uh joya and i met um online as part of a an alumni meeting from a course that we both went through called being a leader um and uh it was it was just kind of a you and i were were randomly put into a breakout room together and we got into some conversation and then you reached out to offer some time to to speak with me and my wife kelly about uh, a dream that we have of one day building a, a dream home on an acreage and which is something that you've been through recently so that was kind of how we met and uh just learning a little bit more about you when kelly and i hopped on zoom with you uh, a little while after that was great. And I thought, you know what, Joya would be a great person to come on the podcast. So uh, thank you again for um, for making the time to do that with me today. Well, thanks for the invitation, Ben. This is awesome. Yeah, it's going to be fun. So I, I was just saying to you before we hit record here that it, it's sometimes I'm like unsure how to introduce someone because I don't believe that anyone is defined by their job or their work. Uh, and not even defined by, you know, maybe you have like a specific goal for your life or a goal for uh, the impact that your life's going to have on the world. And that's a big part of, of who people are. But even that isn't, isn't, doesn't define a person. So it can be tricky to like, oh, how do I introduce who this person is? But uh, Joya, you are a coach who's, you, as you said, committed to living from a place of freedom and empowerment yourself. And then also bringing that to others and making that available to people through your work. So as the founder of Home Tree Coaching and Consulting and Manifester of Magic, which you have right in your signature of your emails, what does that, what does all of that mean? Maybe let's start with living from freedom and empowerment yourself. Uh, what is, what has that meant for you? Well, when I really started diving deep into the world of personal growth and development, which I think on some level I've been on the periphery of my whole life, but then probably, what is it, 2016. So six years ago, roughly, uh, when I really dove deep, the big thing that I realized and became aware to was just how much certain belief systems I had and certain um, ways of thinking that I had and certain assumptions that I had about the way life is were getting in the way of me being free. They were, they were almost, you know, I, I began to realize that having certain belief systems and being really rigid and fixed about that being the way life is and that being the way life works um, 
was in part kind of a way of boxing myself in. Mm. And in boxing myself in, I mean, I wasn't exactly free, was I? (laughs) So, So was the epiphany for you that you were the one creating that box? Or tell me a little bit about what those limitations felt like and what they were for you. Um, yeah, so things like, just as an example, to be successful, you need to work really hard. And working really hard means not having much of a life of your own, not having time off, not focusing on necessarily well-being, just constantly being in the doing of, of life, if, mm. if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that would have been one belief, you know, I have a master's and a PhD in geology. And so this belief that education is the means through which success is achieved, that could be another limiting belief that I've been bumping up against quite a bit, you know, the need to have a piece of paper that defines, you know, I have this people piece of paper, therefore I'm worthy of being noticed and and being heard. Mm. Um, another, another, you know, fundamental belief that I don't think I really had realized that I'm beginning to come face to face with more and more is that my wants and desires are important. So you had been living from a place where that you hadn't embrace, been able to embrace that before? Yeah, no, I don't I don't think I have had. I think what I had been operating from was a place of believing that other people know what I want more than I know what I want. Hmm. You know, like society or my family or I think most of us grow up believing that okay, you know, my parents know what's best for me. As kids sometimes will say, well, I want, I want, I don't want that ice cream. (laughs) Um, Or I want this. And, you know, parents might, my parents might say, well, no, you don't, you don't want that. That's not good for you. And so what I think I became conditioned to was not realizing that actually innately my body knows my being knows what it wants and desires i just need to slow down enough and tune in to my body in such a way that i can hear it Hmm. so it was it was it was really beginning to distinguish that it's not necessarily the outside world that dictates my success it's me who dictates my success Mm, it's me that. who dictates what it looks like. Yeah, you get to decide. Uh, it can be really difficult, um, I know from my own experience, to let go of, I think most people struggle with that, to let go of external expectations, external metrics for what success means, um, living up to the, you know, what, what others expect of us and what others think about the choices we're making. Um, was that a difficult thing for you? Even after you'd had the realization that like, okay, if this is up to me, then it's another thing to go further and to actually live from that space. 
Well, yeah, I think it's something that I'm constantly bumping up against because, you know, as human beings, we rely so much on being in community and being part of a group. And so when, when we, we, and this is the other thing I started to notice is so few of us, most of us have been conditioned to look at the outside world and expect the outside to dictate to us, okay, this is what you should and shouldn't want. So transitioning then to a place where I'm going to slow down and I'm going to start not so much ignoring, but I'm not going to pay as much significance to the, the messages coming from outside of me and slow down enough to tune inward and start paying attention to the messages that are coming from within and then speak living my life from there. It's really interesting to see how much it, you know, even in your circle of family or your close friends, you start to bump up against things because people are suddenly like, well, wait a minute, what are you doing? Why are you, why are you saying that? Or why are you taking those actions? Those are a bit weird or those are (laughs) maybe not quite as socially acceptable as, as, um, as they're used to from you. Hey, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So. So yeah, it's it's what I'm noticing is it's a bit of a dance. It's a bit of a dance in realizing, no, you know, I was born into the world with everything I need. Everything. Mm-hmm. So just continually coming back to myself and remembering that just trust, just trust that there's this greater purpose that you're living inside of and that has brought you here. And so trust that just continually coming from that place and living from that place, you know, the path will slowly open up in front of you. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah. I mean, as you're describing that to me, the visual that comes to mind is that it's, we see it in nature, right? We see it right now. It's, it's springtime and I'm watching our pear trees and our plum tree forming these beautiful blooms. and, And I'm in awe of how, a tree just somehow knows that it's time to wake up and it's time to blossom and it's time to start forming, getting ready to form leaves. And it's all part of a process that it knows what to do. Just the way a human infant knows how to nurse. It doesn't have to, like, of course, we're as uh, intelligent, sentient beings, we're, we're learning. We're cognitively forming patterns of understanding and learning how to do things. But but deeper than that, I think, below that layer of awareness, there's just a knowing what to do, the way a baby just knows what to do, right? And we do see it in nature within in the animal kingdom, and we see it in every flower and tree, but we forget that we're part of that, that that applies to us too, hey? Totally, 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 totally. Yeah, I feel like... You know, I'm in my mid forties now and I feel as I awaken, if I can call it that, what I'm, the experience is how do I get back to that, that freedom of that infant Mm. in this adult body? How do I, how do I access that? openness and that curiosity and that yeah 
in, so in my adulthood. You, that's a, that, and that's a great question uh, to be living from. What would you say the answer to that is in terms of what is that access? What gives you that access? What has worked for you, in other words? Because <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm yeah. sure it's different for everyone. Well, I think the first thing is the coming home. And by that, I mean, you know, for so long, it was like I was running after the carrot, that societally bound, okay, you need this, you need, you need to finish high school, you need to go to university and get your undergraduate. Oh, well, maybe now you want to go get your master's and your PhD. Maybe then once you get those things, then, then you'll be ready for X. Mm-hmm. And so, so for a long time and, and still to some degree now, there was this constant chasing of the next thing that was outside of me. And oftentimes, if you knew me five years ago, six years ago, it was like I was, I was in the middle of one program and I was already new onto the next one before finishing the first one. So it was like, it was like I was, I, 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 don't, I hesitate to say the rat race, but there was constantly like being on this treadmill and constantly going somewhere. Yeah. I like that image of the, vis- the uh, carrot visual because it is this reward, right? That like society the, uh, does reward the person who is thinking ahead, thinking about the future, right? Planning, saving, saving for your retirement, <laughs> thinking already about what college they want to go to when you're still in grade nine. Um, And so we're kind of conditioned to live into the future and there are rewards for that. You, and Mm -hmm. you do see people do well when they're living life in a way that prepares them for the future that they want to create. But Mm -hmm. is there also a trade-off to that? Like a cost to always living in the kind of in the future? Well, this is totally my perspective around that. I mean, every time I achieved that that next carrot, it I was still left feeling like, okay, well, now what? There was still that feeling of something's missing, um, or something's just not quite complete. Like, which which constantly. So then, okay, okay, keep running, <laughs> running after the next carrot. So I think the cost is for me anyway, has been not slowing down enough to be with what I do have. Mm. Not even noticing what I have. You know? Yeah, I think that's one that hits all of us. Hey, like the looking, you look at pictures uh, and you realize, holy crap, my kid is like, growing up before my eyes and I'm not noticing I'm, I'm missing out right yeah. or whatever yeah. the the personal uh however that yeah it's different for all of us but for me I notice it especially when it's like you know seeing how fast my kids are changing and how fast time right. is going by and realizing that when a day goes by where you're not grounded and present that you're you truly are missing the the now which is all we, totally. all we have. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And, and then also I think another big impact 
of the constant chasing after the carrot and constantly chasing after what other people are telling us we should want is that we then miss out or, you know, the effect of slowing down has been sometimes there are things that I want that are actually not what other people tell me I want. So it's, it's just noticing how much the choices I've made have been on behalf of somebody else versus for me. Right. Right. And I think when it comes to living a life that's empowered and fulfilled, it it becomes easier to connect to that when it's, when I'm on the path of fulfilling what I want, what, what I, you know, what I've told myself I want or what Mm -hmm. my body's telling me that I want, as opposed to, doing what I think other people would want. Yeah. So, so you've kind of, if I can reflect that back at you a little bit, Joya, you've talked about um, letting some of the external expectations and things that have been sort of projected onto you dissolve away and then really getting in tune with, okay, well, what is it that I authentically really want for my life and trusting that deep down at, at your absolute core, that you will know what the right path is or what the right fit is for you. Um, Do you have sort of a process or something like on the court that, that you can describe to us that helps you to get in tune with what that inner knowing is? Like, do you brainstorm it out on paper? Like what, what do you actually do? Yeah. Well, my coach constantly invites me to write, which I often resist. (laughs) Um, Because writing, I find, is a form of really quietening down and having to be with yourself, Uh, which is typically something that I else try and squirm out of. Um, Other ways that I will do that is I will, I have a morning routine where I do meditation every day and a little bit of yoga as well, just to kind of, again, that whole process of slowing down and turning inward through the day. Sometimes it comes down to, all right, remember to just take two breaths. Um, So, you know, in the, in the thick of things, sometimes all there is, is just to pause and remember, okay, breathe in and breathe out. And when I'm able to do that, that almost gives me the opportunity to sort of step outside myself, if I can say it that way, and really observe that, okay, Joya, you're in the middle of reacting here. Mm. You're actually reacting to something. You're not necessarily watching yourself and, and choosing how you're going to react. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think no, first of all, noticing when I'm in that panic, when I'm in that rushing, got to get stuff done mode and noticing when I'm getting that irritable, that, that impatient, there's a particular Mm. way of being that I have where it's like, (laughs) all right, I get really strict and stern there no play like there's very little laughter and lightness in in me when that happens yeah and so you know sometimes I'm in the middle of it before I I can say 
whoa, stop for a moment. And, and sometimes it's all it takes. It's a few seconds internally. Like it's just a quiet few seconds where I'm like, yeah. what is going on with you right now? <laughs> and so that voice that says that, is that sometimes literally someone else's voice for you? Like, do you have um, structures that help with your accountability in terms of like a partner or a friend, or you mentioned your coach. I, as you were saying that I, for me, it's like, that's my wife. Kelly is the one to who can step into the room and just feel my energy being off and say, Ben, what's, what's going on? Like, where are you? <laughs> or, and, and often she sees it before I do is why I'm, I'm bringing mm-hmm. it up that even though I've done a lot of growth and like self-development um, and know to be looking for that, I'll, still have so many times where I think that I've got everything under control. I'm here in the moment. I'm in the now I'm, I'm choosing my responses versus reacting. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and then Kelly will say, I think you need to take a look, (laughs) you know, you're, you seem a bit off. And it is the second that she does that. I'm usually, I would, the typical used to be that I would, I would just be defensive, maybe fight, fight her on that. But now I'm way more, open to saying, okay, well, if she's seeing it, there's obviously something going on there for me and to take a look and then to just take that couple of breaths and slow down and step back. Um, But I'm curious if you have, if that's, are you able to do that for yourself pretty easily usually, or do you need to have sometimes that external reminder? Um, The more I practice it, the better I become at beginning to notice it, but absolutely the requirement to have an external source is definitely there. The coach is certainly useful because coaches typically, they don't, I mean, they're there to reflect back to us what's going on. So yeah, the coach for sure. Um, My other resource would be my own husband. So, So my partner. Um, and I think where that comes in handy is, I don't know about you, but there used to be a time where I would not necessarily get into communication about what it is I'm dealing with. I would often deal with it quietly on my own. Right. And I wouldn't speak about it. I wouldn't share about it. And so, of course, then my husband could definitely see something was going on, but there would be this sometimes walking on eggshells or there would be this awkwardness. There'd be something between him and I that he might not necessarily be able to put a finger on. And I, because I wasn't in communication also wasn't able to put a finger on. So what I'm noticing is the more I can get into communication with my, my husband, sometimes even it's with my work colleagues. If I'm dealing with something, all there is to do about it is just, name it hmm. yeah it's it's like laughably simple but, <laughs> but yet something that is so easy to not do right like what, what do you right. think it is about the humans that have this resistance to talk about hard things or to name name the pain mm. so you asking me that question is bringing up something i learned from a teacher called Alison Armstrong. And it was in her seminar about why you can't trust men to tell the truth. And 
I don't think this is an issue with men. I'm beginning to see that this is, I think, an issue with all human beings, which relates back to your question. Because getting into communication about what something I'm dealing with, especially if it's an, something uncomfortable, like being upset with somebody or being unhappy about a particular situation. Getting into communication authentically is a form of truth-telling. And what I learned through Alison Armstrong is that there are three fundamental needs that we as human beings, and I think all beings in general have. The first one and the highest priority is to procreate. The second um, most important thing is to protect. And the third thing then is to provide. And so most of us assume truth-telling is something that we should each provide for one another. I should be able to openly communicate with you and provide for you what I'm dealing with and communicate to you that way, especially if I'm in a partnership with you. The thing, though, is is that truth-telling actually falls under the protect category. We only speak the truth in circumstances and situations where we know that the the environment is safe enough Mm -hmm. to speak that truth. So, and if it's not safe, then I'm not going to share it with you because if it's unsafe, then me sharing my truth with you, there's a a risk that you're just going to use it against me. That you could be hurt, yeah. That I could be hurt with it. So mm-hmm. that's kind of a long-winded answer to your question as to why is it that we have such difficulty being in communication about things that we're dealing with. I think a lot of it comes down to, is it safe enough for me to communicate that? Right, yeah, fear. Or, or is it going to be something that's then used against me? I think so often most of us come from a place of we need to protect. It's not safe. Mm. Yeah, which ultimately usually, uh, well, probably always for all of us, traces back to some point in your life where you got hurt, right? Because when you look at back to, like we were talking at the beginning about uh, the human infants, right? Like children... You talk to a three or four year old about anything and they're just going to tell you how it is. That's right. They're not, they haven't learned yet. Haven't been conditioned yet to guard their truth and to hide That's their right. truth until oh, they got in trouble because they you know, broke the thing or they stole the toy or whatever. And yeah. they've been scolded and then, oh, that they didn't like that. And then you slowly at such a young age start to realize that, Hmm, Maybe it's not safe to just speak it like it is and, and speak truth to anyone always everywhere about everything. Yeah. And we start to get more careful. That's right. And that, hence the programming begins. Yeah. yeah. So let's jump back to kind of your journey and, mm-hmm. and uh, I'd like to talk a little, have you talk a little bit about some of the work that you do um as a coach and as a consultant 
you have been on sort of this path of your own personal development, sounds like, and uh, you've shared quite a bit about that. How did you get to a point where you decided this is something that I want to make available to others? So maybe tell me a little bit about founding of Home Tree and what that's about for you. Yeah, I mean, I, where to start? I think on some level I have, you know, when I was in grad school, so I have a master's and a PhD in geology, nothing related to coaching whatsoever specifically. Um, And when I was in grad school, something that I noticed, and even probably before grad school is I used to have my own office. And of course there was always a chair in case there was somebody who came into my office to visit or sit and chat. And something I noticed was that chair typically was always, there was always someone sitting in that chair. (laughs) Um, And oftentimes it was people sharing with me things that they were dealing with. And this has just sort of been something that's been with me my whole life is people somehow gravitate. I could be one of the, I'm one of those people who sits on a plane next to somebody and I just start asking them stuff. And then the next thing they know they're just sharing all kinds of details about their life that, you know, they've never shared with anybody else. And then they turn to me and they're, I'm not really sure why I'm sharing all of this with you. <laughs> um, so yeah, I've just been, I guess I've been that kind of a person where people seem really free to open, open up to me mm-hmm. with. Um, so about f- five years ago, I really started noticing how much just being available to people and in that way really lights me up. Um, You know, working a job as a geologist and hiking hills for nine and a half hours a day and flying around in a helicopter with my dog was fantastic. It was like a dream job. But there's something about connecting with people and creating a space for people where they can just literally show up however they are without feeling like they need to hide any part of themselves. It, it, it just brings me a level of fulfillment that I can't quite describe. And just, there's nothing else that quite fits it. Hmm. So as I was beginning to do my own work and as I was beginning to um, shed light on things that have been limiting me in my own life and what it is I want to create my own life, I started seeing that, all right, since, you know, I seem to have this capacity to be there for others. And oftentimes another thing is I have a tendency, I think, to see things in ways that sometimes people just don't see. I assumed that that was a gift that everyone has. I think it is something that everyone has the capability of doing. Um, but yeah, I just, I just seem to be able to, and then my way of speaking too, is I tend to cut right to the chase. <laughs> so, which some people appreciate and some people don't <laughs> quite depending on where they are. So I think all in all, all of it kind of came together in sort of a perfect storm for me. And it was like, Maybe Joya, what you, you know, 
what you're here to do is actually be one of those people who works with other people as a mirror and acts as a mirror to reflect back to them what works for them and what doesn't. Mm. So it sounds that, like something that's very different from flying around in a helicopter with your dog and digging up rocks. <laughs> totally, totally, totally different. I mean, one is very much looking at, mind you, when I was out in those hills, I had a lot of time to reflect inward. Oh, for sure. But um, yeah, this work is very much, the one is very out facing and looking towards the outside. And this is very much an inward, like I say, coming home. Yeah. And so yeah. uh, is that where the name Home Tree Coaching and Consulting comes from and why why you've called it that? Absolutely. Yes. Because like, you know, part of it too came from my husband and I really enjoy the movie Avatar, if you've ever seen that one. And so Home Tree is where, you know, where life happens, where everyone goes home to. And so definitely my own journey for me and my own personal growth journey has definitely been a coming home of, and, and oftentimes the image for myself is a tree, very rooted in, in where I am, who I am. And so, yeah, that's out of that whole image is where home tree was born. as the Love company. That. That's great. So you work with clients um, right now, I'm guessing it's obviously virtual. <laughs> or yeah. phone or Zoom or something. Um, and is this something you're doing full-time? Have you stepped back completely from geology work or are you kind of transitioning and juggling? I'm still juggling. So I left the geology world back in 2014. That was the last field season I had. And then from there, I don't know whether you know this about me. Um, I actually, I was a volunteer firefighter with our local volunteer fire department prior to 2014. I think I joined in 2011, 2010, 2011. So, cause we have a volunteer department here in our community um, where we live. And so when I was contracting myself out as a geologist on my time off, I would actually train as a volunteer fire firefighter. I just kept doing the training. All this to say that, I kept doing the training that it qualified me for a posting as a deputy fire marshal with the Yukon fire marshal's office oh, wow. about six years ago now in 2015, I applied on that job and I got it and it's since become a permanent gig. So long story short, right now I'm juggling the coaching and building the coaching practice with working three days a week as a deputy fire marshal for the Yukon fire marshal's office as well. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. You've got your, you've got a lot of different hats and irons in the fire. Definitely. My interest there, of course, I mean, there's doing things to do with fire and life safety, but really the growing interest in the world of first responders is supporting in the world of mental health, mental health okay. education and awareness, which feeds back, I think, into um, supporting people in a coaching capacity. Yeah. I mean, there's there's a whole world there that I can see as you're speaking where empowering others to live from or coaching others to live from a place of freedom and self-empowerment like you've been teaching yourself and leading yourself toward 
would be hugely valuable to first responders and people who are dealing with acute uh, stress and trauma and yep. um, putting themselves in harm's way and and living you know a life where their their work is a, da- a dangerous <laughs> occupation. Yeah, that's really yeah. cool. I'm actually a volunteer firefighter as well here in oh, cool. Asha for about the same amount of time. Around uh, t- eleven years ago or so, I oh right on. Yeah, so yeah. we have that in common. I just learned something about it. <laughs> yeah. That's very cool. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, it's not an easy job. No, it's sure not. So um, a line that you um, that you have on your email signature below your company name is Manifestor of Magic. Mm-hmm. A little bit about, and then we're going to wrap up maybe after that. But um, yeah. I love... I mean, and we, there's, there's so much stuff out there about, you know, how to manifest, how to attract, um, attract good things into your life. Uh, we all, uh, you know, there's things about whether it's a, through prayer or, um, you know, the, the book, the secret, like there's all this stuff mm-hmm. telling us, like, you can have the life you want. You can have the stuff you want. You can manifest, money and abundance and uh love and relationships and that dream home that you want to go out and build <laughs> on an acreage um and there's a lot of different ways of describing how that works of teaching how that works what does it mean for you to manifest magic into the world and into into being to bring things into being i think it all comes back to slowing down Slowing down and tuning in, tuning into that inner voice, tuning into that inner knowing, whatever we want to call it, um, and and then listening to it, and being willing to, I mean listening to that inner knowing, listening to that inner voice and, and trusting much like, you know, the, it's at the start of our conversation, you were talking about the tree that just naturally knows to go into blossom depending on the time of year. It's kind of a similar thing that I think all of us have the capability of as human beings. If we slow down enough and quieten ourselves down enough, to listen and tune into that there's magic in that <laughs> and i think honoring that and and to at the expense of everything else around us what ends up happening is something something as magical as a blossom shows up and so that's what i mean by manifester of magic is in when I'm able to slow down enough and tune into my inner knowing and then act from that place and act in such a way that, you know, sometimes, sometimes my husband will have arguments about it and will have something to say about it. And so long as I keep listening to it, eventually he even gets to see the mat. He, he begins to see what I'm seeing. And out of that just becomes this, I don't know what other word to use other than magic. It's just like, wow, what I didn't think was possible becomes possible. Hmm. I, one one uh, term to, that comes up for me that 
I would maybe describe it as just that's like the voice of hearing the voice of God, like the power of creation, however you want to uh, think of that. But it, there's that invisible force, right? And it is magical and it is spiritual because it's yeah. operating at that that deeper level that transcends even just our own uh, capacity to understand mentally totally. and cognitively. Yeah, I don't think, I mean, look, you're talking to someone who prided themselves on being highly educated. This isn't, this isn't a cerebral experience at all. Mm. It doesn't happen from the neck up. What I'm realizing, it really requires us to, to tune in from the neck down. Uh, which is something really new for a lot of us yeah Yeah. it requires a bit of like you said at one point i think reprogramming yeah i mean even the even the notion of god or source or prana or whatever it is you want to call it there's this culture around it's something that's outside of us. It's something over there. Yeah. And what I'm and what I think you pointed highlighted nicely is and beautifully is actually it's the voice of God within. Yeah. We don't have to go outside of ourselves t- to hear it. Yeah. It's we carry carry it around with us every day, all the time. It's such an easy thing to forget, but we've, uh, even in religion, I think that the, the teachings are there that, and, you know, Jesus, uh, was all about, you know, I am divine, but I'm also human. And so are you, right? Like our mm-hmm. minister here, uh, Robin King, he talks about that all the time, that Jesus was this living reminder teaching us that, Hey, you're, you're the same. You're of God. God is within you. Um, and yet, so you are this beautiful, um, this beautiful combination of being of the earth and also being of God in spirit and having That's that right. inside you. But the structure of religion in not just in Christianity, I think I'm not, no expert, but it, it seems that everywhere you look in the world, these religious systems have sort of taught us that God's up there sitting on the throne Mm -hmm. in the clouds or God is in the burning bush. And there's all these examples of, of holiness in, in the saints that we make statues of and, um, Mm -hmm. and all these things that are kept at at a distance to be worshiped, but we are down here, right? Like we're the, the lowly sinners that need to be saved by God, but we're not infused with that spirit. And I think that's one of the limiting, I mean, I grew up in a very Catholic home and have a very Catholic upbringing and that, that in itself, you're pointing right there to another limiting belief was that as a human being, I'm somehow lowly and I'm somehow bad and there's some parts of me that are sinful. And so it's, that in itself is a way of keeping you in a box and, and self-contained, right? Yeah. Versus flipping it around and going, no, actually, I am I am a soul having a human experience. And I am I have this human experience that's to be used, not the other way around. Yeah. Yeah. 
that's yeah. a that's a really powerful thought um and I've, I've heard that before but again it's something that's easy to forget that we are uh we are spiritual beings traveling through um this this journey and that we're having a, this you know defined physical experience that exists within time and space but outside of that very brief experience um there's there's more i i, I mean i want to believe that there's <laughs> that there's more and that that carries on and that it's not even bound by by time let alone being bound by the physical construct of a, having a human body on planet earth but just even outside the confines of the the time continuum and it's just mentally we can't wrap our heads around that because everything that we think about and experience physically exists does exist on that linear timeline of like here's the present moment the past the future and and we we can't understand anything that that would be outside of that dimension right mm -hmm. yeah but yet we have access to all of it. I mean, consider even the linear, the linearity of life may in, it, in itself be another limiting belief. Maybe it isn't as linear as we think it is. Maybe that's just an illusion that we've bought into. Mm. I mean, we might be going down another rabbit hole here. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, if you really consider if I'm a spirit or a soul having a human experience, then the sky's the limit. Mm -hmm. And what could actually be possible or what is even. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, the, you know, my humanness is simply like the equivalent to a car. Right. Right. My body is the car and the spirit that I am is the driver. So the things that come up inside of my human experience, they're kind of the equivalent to the gaslight and the odometer. Yeah. They're merely information that's being provided to me that's telling me about my experience in this particular realm inside of being a human. Mm -hmm. But does that mean that that's all that it's limited to? maybe not yeah, yeah that it's it changes everything <laughs> when you start <laughs> to embrace possibility on that on that scale totally and then it really becomes okay well what do you want yeah what because it's what do you want for your experience and for your life that's right yeah because mm. wow. if you want to be limited okay we can limit it you can keep operating inside of these set of beliefs but if you don't all right well then let's look at it let's shatter it let's kind of break it all open and see how do you want to put it back together yeah yeah wow well i'm i'm sure we could fill another hour with stories of uh ways that you've seen that have an impact for people um to wrap up though, Joya, do you have uh, a tangible example of something that has really stuck with you as like, this is why I want to do this and continue doing this in terms of, I mean, I don't know how comfortable you are sharing with like other people's stories, but just in 
um, with, you know, without including any names or anything, is there, is there examples of that where you've seen the, someone's life transformed by the shattering of those limiting beliefs where you've seen like, wow, this person has, is just a new, a totally new human being now and that they've opened up all these possibilities for their life. Anything that comes up for you that's exciting or inspiring? Well, for some reason, what's coming up is my, re- it's, it's a personal one. I'll just keep it to the personal if that's. Yeah, that's great. Agreeable. Um, just noticing how my relationship with my, my husband has been flourishing and, and gradually blossoming. <clears throat> I mean, most recently, this is now a couple months ago. You know, I, I, I think I shared earlier, I have a practice in the morning, I meditation and some yoga. And on the weekend, I typically do that. And then I come back to the, to the living room where he may be hanging out and you know, on this particular day, he was lounging around in his house coat and, and we were both in the kitchen preparing our breakfasts. And I mean, this is getting a little personal. So, I mean, I've shared this story before, so he knows I've shared it before. And he just looked at me and he said, hey, do you want to go back to bed? I just kind of stopped noticed internally what was going on with me and the key word was want do you want to go to bed and I back to bed and I said no I don't want to go back to bed <laughs> and you could kind of see his shoulder like there was disappointment there's a visible disappointment there and there's a particular way that conversation would have ended up previously in our relationship but on this particular day I noticed his response to my answer and I said, well, I don't want to go back to bed and I'm getting a sense that there's a want over where you are. Why don't you try communicating to me what that want is? And then let's see what comes up out of that. It's like, oh, right. Okay. Will you, is how he started the question back to me, will you go back to bed and he shared with me what he desired. He shared with me what he wanted. I'm not going to share it here. It was, it was in, the, in the context of intimacy. <laughs> and he shared with me what he wanted. And then he looked at me and I said, oh, well, yeah, I'd be willing to go back to bed for that. <laughs> And like his eyes just popped out of his head. And he's like, but you just said no. I said, well, you asked me what I want. And I told you that I was a no to that. But now you're telling me what you want, which is a completely different question. Completely, like not even in the same ballpark. And I said, so you sharing with me what you want, now that puts me in a position to say, do I want to, do I want to make myself available to that or not? And that I'm willing to do. And he's like, oh. There's a, there's a freedom there. Totally. And so then the conversation went to, all right, well, so when do you want to do this? 
right after breakfast? And he's like, well, gosh, no, I'm going to be out the door doing chores by then. So, well, when do you want to do this? He's like, well, how about this evening? Because there's a particular time of day when he is open to that level of intimacy. I said, all right. So between four and five o'clock, because we've distinguished what that time frame is and specifically during what hours. He's like, okay, perfect. Let's, let's aim for between four and five. So that then took out all of the discomfort between us and all of that awkwardness that would have been there had I not communicated, okay, I hear that you have something that you want. And we were totally freed up. We got everything we needed to get done around the property done. And we made that happen. So it was just this lightness, this, and we were playful around it all too. Hmm. Wow. That was not present in our relationship a year ago. Wow. So. That sounds like it was life-changing. Big time. Yeah. And, and is something that could be replicated and applied anywhere like around intimacy is a, is a huge one for lots of couples. I'm sure every, every couple, but it's not just in those areas. It's, it's everything. It's, it could be, you know, anything you're dealing with parenting, career stuff, uh, just the, the, the friction points that any relationship that matters inevitably experiences. Totally. 100%. Cool. Well, Joya, I appreciate you sharing that um, so authentically and vulnerably and just sharing kind of some of your journey with me. I know if this is a, these are always tip of the iceberg conversation <laughs> <laughs> and there's so much more to any person and person's story than what you can pack into a 45 minute or hour long chat. But um, it's great to just learn a bit more about you and hear what's been going on for you that's created more of that freedom more of that empowerment for your life journey and acknowledge the work you're doing to make that happen it's that's beautiful well thank you so much ben for inviting me here and for being curious and interested in what i have to share and just creating this space to make it available to to people so thank you so much for this that's totally what it's all about and uh, it's my absolute pleasure i enjoy doing it and i'm sure that uh listening has brought up some stuff for everyone who's joined us today so (laughs) if you're listening thank you for bringing your listening to this conversation and we hope that you join us again another time soon you can catch more episodes of six ways from sunday podcast on itunes or your podcast app Um, Or you can also check them out, the listing of all, I think 104 or 105 or so episodes now are on our website at risingspiritministry.com. And we've got our weekly blog and uh, archives of our church services and sermons with Reverend Robin King. um, And those are on the website as well. But uh, yeah, if anyone listening uh, enjoyed this, we hope that you hit the subscribe button on iTunes so that you get a little notification every time we come up with a new episode, which is every other Friday. And again, thanks for listening. And Joy, thank you for, for your time today. You too, Ben. Thank you. Take care.